Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from the Horsham Church of Christ. For more information, please visit our website at www.horsham.org.au. So over the last few weeks, we've explored what it looks like to be present. And we asked the question, how's it, what time do you set aside? How's it look like to take five or ten minutes aside, um, set a timer, put do not disturb on your phone and just sit quietly without expectation, without trying to prove yourself, even just setting aside the scriptures for a period of time for five or ten minutes just to sit and breathe. How many people have tried that new in the last few weeks? Has anyone tried that differently? Yeah, a few? Okay. And I bet most of us would probably find that unsettling. It's a bit unnerving. Our, our heads go all over their place, our hearts go over the place, we feel guilty because we feel like we should be doing something. Breathe. Come back to scriptures, remind who we are. That's why we're encouraging people to be present. Present in our relationship with God, present in our relationship with one another. We then encourage people to be authentic. That is, we, we share all of our story in life. Recognising the good, the bad, the doubts, as Jared led us in the call to worship this morning, it's all there as a part of the journey in life and part of the exploration of faith and worship. It can be really difficult to be able to say at times, actually, I don't have all this together. I don't have the answers here. To come to Jesus and say, I don't know what's going on here. I need to trust you more deeply, more richly. I need to know that you're alive. And then to be able to share that, And that's why we value our life groups and our ministries so much because there's those places where we can wrestle really personally and intimately in a way that we're not able to do on a Sunday morning. Last week we spoke about what it was to be people of courage, people who made small decisions along the way. We often see courage as the end decision, that final moment, that final expression, that final great act But we explore this concept that courage is about the small decisions along the way that allow us to make that one final act, wherever that might be. And again, I encourage us to go back and look at uh, and listen to our podcast so you can get the full picture. But we want our values to inform and shape our relationships, our ministries, our workplaces, our families and neighbourhoods. Because being in relationship with Jesus is an invitation a call, and can I be so bold even to say a command to be in relationship with others. We cannot be in relationship with God and live in an isolated way. That's not the invitation. As I have loved you, Jesus says, love one another. That immediately applies relationship, doesn't it? It immediately replies, uh, implies community. And so we need to hold these, this relationship with God and with one another really really well and really tightly together and love others because God has first loved us so this morning we want to unpack what it might look like to be a generous people and I really want to encourage us to be open towards the work of God the heart of the father and his generous love Um, some 20 odd years ago when Andrew and I moved to Melbourne which does seem like another world away uh, I was We were 21, 21, 22. Uh, Andrew had been born in Ballarat, grown up in Ballarat. We moved to Melbourne to start training for ministry. We were looking for a house to live in. Now, when you've been living in Ballarat, you've had an income, you've got a house, you're fairly secure. 
and all of a sudden you're down to no income, you don't know what kind of work you're going to get, um, you decide to study for ministry, you don't know a house, you don't know anyone in Melbourne really, uh, and you're moving there. Looking for a house in Melbourne is an interesting exercise. We eventually came across this house that was next door um, to a church and uh, we negotiated uh, some rental price. They, they had a, a price which may have been pretty reasonable uh, and pretty fair at the time. It was uh, a great little house for us to start in uh, and we were fortunate enough to be able to stay in that one house for all four years. I know other people who went and trained for ministry and they moved houses and moved their kids every year for school. I mean just what people have done is incredible. So one of the things that uh, we were struggling with was how we can budget and f- afford this so I actually ended up cleaning this church, I think, I think it was once a fortnight from memory and I checked this with Andrew and that's the same memory that we've got so we'll go with that. Um, once a fortnight I cleaned this church for 20 bucks off our rent a fortnight. Now that was, that was pretty good, that, that helped us a lot uh, but there were times that I would go and I would go and clean this church and uh, I would actually enjoy it. It gave me some sense of purpose. It was something different. It was something practical. It was something physical. And there are other times that I went there, um, and this was the day before I didn't have a Walkman, and it was the day before iPods and Spotify and podcasts, so I didn't have any of that, and I'd go and argue with myself. I'm glad you appreciate it, Tim. Um, I'd, I'd go and have these conversations with myself, you know, I'd, I'd be cleaning the toilets and I don't know if you've ever cleaned a urinal or toilets. It's not always that exciting. Uh, the smell's rarely pleasurable. Um, and I'd be arguing with myself and I'd be saying, who would notice if I didn't do this properly? Who would even care? You know, it's, it's not even worth it. I could probably, it would probably be better to pay the full amount of rent. It would just be easier if I just did that. I'm so sick of doing this. And it would often, what I worked out was that it would often be around a lot of external factors around this as well. So it would often be about uh, what was happening for me, what was expected, my essays that were due, um, you know, the time that we had as a family or when, when our kids were born and the wrestle about trying to work out what it looks like to have children and be married and studying and Andrea was, uh, had been working before May was born. Um, it just seemed easier to pay the extra money because there were time, I know it's hard to believe but there were times where I was just grumpy um, there's too many of you that laughed at that there was moments that I had to choose the heart that I wanted to live with and you know, it wasn't a big job even but man I made myself miserable sometimes by an attitude shift See, if it's just about how I feel and how I feel at a particular moment, then generosity is going to be hard. But generosity doesn't seem too hard for some people. So we have a, a next-door neighbour, uh, Flora. Uh, some of you might know Flora. Uh, we live next door to Flora. Uh, Flora's 88. She had uh, knee surgery last year. Uh, she had a cataract this week and was out walking the block on the day after. I mean, she's just incredible so um she says to andrea um i've got to get the accent out of my head so because i can't do it anyway um she says come and have a cuppa this 80 year old 88 year old uh italian lady 
come and have a cuppa. Now, when you go and have a cuppa with flora, uh, you don't just have a cuppa, right? Uh, there's cakes put before you, uh, and you have to have a piece of cake, uh, biscuits. So we worked out, we found it really hard. So flora would send over Italian biscuits. Is that what they're called, Italian biscuits? Have you ever had Italian biscuits? Oh my goodness, they are absolutely long, thin, crunchy, beautiful. We'd get a bowl full of these Italian biscuits and we'd send the kids back to Flora with the bowl and they'd come back with a bag of minties. I mean, that's some kind of neighbour right there. So Andrea goes and had this week, just after this woman's had cataract surgery, she's knee surgery last year, cataract surgery, and they're talking about their chickens and, and Flora says, I've got wheat. I've got wheat. Let's go and get wheat. So they go down the backyard, way down the backyard, and here's this 80-year, that's really hard to say, 90-year-old woman who's, um, who's shifting great big containers, shifting great big bins, trying to pour this wheat into a wheelbarrow so Andrea can wheel this wheelbarrow home and feed our chooks with this wheat. She's got massive stores of wheat. Incredible. She just hands it over, no thought whatsoever. This is after a cup of tea and probably three pieces of cake. Um, and not only that, but Andrea came home with two jars of pasta sauce. Now, I mean, that's some kind of generosity there, isn't it? And there's some people who just, they're switched on to it, aren't they? They just know and it just oozes out of them. We, we would keep Flora's containers at home some weeks just thinking, we can't take any more stuff from her. So we would wait a week or two before we'd send the bowls back. Um, so some people, you know, like me, can get a bit grumpy and find it really hard. And other people, I don't know if it's age or if it's generational or if it's culture, some people find it really easy to be generous. Where do you land? Where do you land? And what does it take? See, the prob- part of the problem is, too, we can get into a comparison mindset. Oh, you know, I can't make pasta sauce like Flora. That, that would be true. But that's not a comparison, it's just a reality. And this is part of the problem when we see other people being generous. Oh, how do they do that? I can't do that. I don't have that much. And so we, we restrict ourselves and we, we, get in our, we get in our mindset a bare minimum kind of thinking because we get into a state of comparison. And if we want to be generous people, we've got to move out of comparison and actually come into a place where we actually say, actually, I will be generous as Christ has first loved me. If I can live out of the generous love for which Christ poured out his life for me, let's see how that shifts things for me. So being generous, and this won't be a surprise to you, being generous is a decision of the heart, the mind, the body and the spirit. It's more than what we bring. It's more than what we have. It's more what we do. um, But instead, it's choosing who we follow and who we will be. Could being generous be an invitation to participate in something that we didn't deserve or earn and responding beyond the bare minimum? Generosity is participating in something that we didn't first deserve or earn and choosing to respond beyond the bare minimum. If you go into your workplaces, who do you serve? We generally serve our bosses. We ge- or not a- maybe we don't even serve our bosses, actually. 
bare minimum workplace thinking would be, I do this job to get a salary. Bare minimum thinking. Coming into a worship service, I come in here because it's Sunday. Bare minimum thinking. And then we leave here thinking, well, nothing really happened for me there. Because we lived closed-handed, closed-hearted, closed-minded to what might actually be happening and what it is to live out of the love that God first has for us. Going to school, I was probably a bare minimum thinker. If I got PE on a day, it was a pretty good day. What it looked like to go into our schools and think, what are the opportunities here I have to express generosity, to show some love? To go outside my circle here and step into something knowing that I serve a king, a God who has first loved me. To go into our workplaces and say, I'm not here just for a salary. I'm here to influence and shape and transform this workplace. And if that means I have to sacrifice my attitudes, my minds, the things that I want, okay God, because this workplace is yours. What would that look like? And I can't answer that for all of you. So let's explore a couple of concepts around this. Matthew chapter 25. And I'm, not, I'm just going to play briefly in them. I'm really going to encourage you to go and read deeper, play more, have conversations, and then uh, really op- live open-hearted and open-handed. Matthew chapter 25, verse 1. Jesus is telling kingdom stories, which is always really good because he puts a couple of stories together in the Gospel of Matthew. But I'm just picking out these few verses, and many of you will know the story, and you've already jumped ahead to the end of the story. Come back with me. All right? You've already know the end of the story. Oh, yes, I know this. Stay with me. All right? Hopefully, we awaken something new. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like a man going on a journey. So he's already told a story, verses 1 to 13. He's telling another story now. Will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability, and then he went on his journey. Now look, what we often do, and what the end of the story says, is that the one with five bags made how much more gold? Five. Yep, or doubled it. The one with two did what? Doubled it. All right, pretty impressive investment. Um, The one with one bag of gold did what? Buried it. So you've already got the story, you already know. But what we often miss is those three words. The master, the man, entrusted his wealth. Now, followers of Jesus... If you're a follower of Jesus, and even if you're not, if you were to think about all that you have, all that you do, all that you're capable of, and you're able to think there is someone around who is entrusting you with what you have today, would that change the way that we approach our lives? Because I know myself, I can so easily get caught up in what I don't have, I lose sight of the God who has entrusted me with his wealth. I mean, that's my, look, there's no, there's no instruction, there's no guidelines, there's no expectation, there's no task list, which will upset a few people, I know, because we like lists. Some of us, don't we? If, 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 you, if someone walked up and gave you five bags of gold, you'd be suspicious, wouldn't you? 
What if God already has given you five bags of gold and we don't even believe that he's entrusted us with his wealth? So we know the end of the story. These people respond. We've already said two, two people double their gold. Um, the third one comes back and says, I know you're a hard man. You sow where you do not reap. You do, you're a tough man to work for. And the master's response, it's actually a sarcastic response. Oh, you knew that you, th- it's like, you, oh, you only think you know me. But I'm thinking about this. What if the servant came back? What if the servant with one bag of gold came back and actually said, you know what, I actually tried to uh, expand your kingdom. I actually tried to, to speak uh, generosity and they beat me for it, they stole it from me, they took advantage of me. Now, it might be too much poetic license in that. But this is the risk of Generosity. That we give it all away and we might actually get nothing back. This is a sacrifice of generosity. This is the risk of living open-handed. But incidentally, if we're not willing to live open-handed, neither can we receive the love of God and the provision of God's wealth. See, what we do with what we have is an expression of the relationship that we have with God and the gifts that are given are an imitation the gifts particularly in this story are an imitation to participate in expressing the kingdom of heaven remember it's at that time the kingdom of heaven this will be like a man going on a journey who entrusts his wealth So if we look at what we have and what we do, believing that we are entrusted with God's wealth, how might that transform the way that we live? Matthew chapter 5 says, uh, If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, love your neighbour and hate your enemy. But I tell you, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you that you may be children of your Father in heaven. Now, this is a very real, we probably struggle with this, but this is a very real possibility in the time that was Jesus walking around. Roman centurions or people of higher class would walk up to Jewish people um, and, and say, you need to carry my gear. My chariot's broken down, you're carrying it. Now, it was, it was reduced by law, by the Roman law of the time, that they could only make, force people to walk one mile. But Jesus is actually saying, hey, no, 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 no. Don't worry about what the system says. Let's subvert and transform the system. Let's change the system. And the only way the system is going to change is if you live as children of your Father in heaven. What we do is a direct reflection of who we see ourselves to be. What we do is a direct reflection of who we see ourselves to be. 
again, subvert the bare minimum kind of culture and expectation. And the reality is you will be ripped off. You will be taken advantage of. You will be taken for granted. You will be unnoticed. Perhaps you might even be laughed at. Perhaps you might even be cast out of a particular group. The most fulfilling way to live generously is to live out of who we are in Christ. Now, this isn't about staying in toxic, destructive relationships or being a martyr. Let's understand that. And we'll see that shortly. But it is choosing how I will respond to the next conversation and the next opportunity. Because what often happens, and you would have had conversations, I had a conversation this week with someone who said, yes, I got upset by this and this person did this and that happened there. And so they just completely withdraw. And that's, that's not the invitation. Remembering as I have loved you, I have been willing to go to the cross for you. And incidentally, if you're thinking about baptism, the opportunity is still there and we can still get you baptised. And if you're thinking about baptism, and even now if your spirit's stirring, come and have a chat with Jared and we can make that happen. Just in case you thought we'd forgotten. But Jesus says, as I have first loved you. So much that I went to the cross so that you can know the extent of God's love. I subvert the culture. I subvert the bare minimum. I go this far. I was taken advantage of. I was beaten for it. I was rejected. It's okay. I've got your back. And yet, if you participate in this way of generosity, you might actually discover some kind of new life that you've never known before. In Matthew chapter 10, Verse 7 to 8, uh, verse 7 to through 14. 7 to 8, then 13 to 14, sorry. As you go, <clears throat> proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. And this is what it looks like. So the, Jesus has gathered his followers together. He's been teaching and instructing them. And then he releases them. He sends them out. And this is what the kingdom of heaven is going to look like. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give if we thought about the last time that we did or or, or are we able to think about something the last time we gave so freely without condition without expectation in a personal way now there might be time and again this isn't about toxic relationships this isn't about destructive relationships In verse 13, Jesus goes on, If the home is deserving, let your peace rest on it. If it is not, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, leave that home or town and shake the dust off your feet. There's a very real sense here, for me as I read this text this week, that Jesus says, you're going to have some misses. (laughs) Don't let the misses, the disappointments determine your next opportunity or the response that you have to the next opportunity. If you're disappointed here, and you will be, you're going to have to dust yourself off, pick yourself up, choose who you will be and whose love you will live out of and go to the next opportunity. Does that make sense? There's a very real practical application about people walking dusty streets with bare feet and shaking it off and being really deliberately um, uh, physical and, and big about it and 
and not carrying that dust with them as they moved on to the next house, the next town, the next conversation. Because I guarantee you if, you, if you, if we live bitter lives, if we live disappointed lives, if we live lives where we're in comparison, the next time we come into that disappointment, the next time, the next opportunity we have is going to address that disappointment right there. <laughs> and we're going to have to determine who we are. Yeah? If we hold back in fear because of those who are negative, we bring less than the bare minimum. And if we retreat within ourselves, we lose sight of the heart of the Father and we lose sight of the heart of the Father for us and for others. I saw this quote, uh, Justice Ruth uh, Bader Ginsburg, who's, uh, I think her story's just been made into a movie. I've forgotten the name of the movie all of a sudden. If you want to be a true professional, I want to say, if you want to be a truly generous person, you will do something outside yourself, something to repair tears or tears either one in your community something to make life a little better for people less fortunate than you than you that's what i think a meaningful life is a generous life living not for oneself but for one's community and jesus says as i have loved If we were to tilt our heart towards heaven, if we were to live out of who we are in Christ and invite others to participate, our capacity to be generous would expand and grow. So what if generosity was actually saying, Christ is enough? What if generosity was saying, my life will be found in God first? Choosing to live out of the heart of the Father who has lavished us in His love. It's not just an ideal, it's a practical expression. It's an invitation to participate in what God has entrusted us with. And I've seen the generosity expressed in so many of you can talk and tell testimonies and stories and I'd encourage you today, how, how, have, you, how have you had generosity expressed to you over a coffee? Find out how people have experience generosity of those around them someone who hears the whisper of giving someone money and they that's exact amount they need for a pair of shoes someone receives a voucher or the amount of money to pay for the bill i've heard of stories of yards and homes that have been cleaned i've heard of stories and we're so we're in we're in the evidence of people's generosity in the money that's being given for these facilities. But I've seen generosity expressed when people stopped what they were doing and sat and had a cuppa with them in the most desperate times of need. I've seen generosity expressed when people have served on a roster and in multiple ways and forms. I've seen generosity expressed when people have made food for their friends, for their neighbours, for their stra- for strangers, when people have offered transport to take people to medical appointments. I've seen generosity expressed when vouchers have been left anonymously that have blessed families with meals. Now that might not be your story particularly, I don't, you know your story. It's not to compare but it's to say, hey, this does happen. 
and we can change hearts and minds with this kind of expression. And if you're not someone who's received generosity, can I encourage you, please don't sit around and say, well, no one's generous towards me. Be a person of generosity. Be a person of generosity. Be a person who lives open-handed, open-hearted and open-minded. See, we get to choose. (laughs) We get to choose. We get to release the generosity. We get to determine how that's expressed. Because God is in the business of multiplying His kingdom. And when we express generosity, when we release that generosity, we are multiplying His kingdom as followers of Jesus. So what if we could live? What if we could live with a mindset believing that Jesus is for me and is for you, even that annoying person that's driving you nuts, especially that annoying person that's driving you nuts at the moment. Jesus is for me. You could be the annoying person driving someone else nuts. And Jesus is for you. Jesus transforms us when we realise he's for us and not against us. What if we could be a people who are present to the heart of the Father so we could be present to one another? If we're authentic in our relationship with the heart of the Father so that we could be authentic in our relationships with one another? And if we were bold enough and courageous enough to recognise our need of the Father, our desire for the Father, so we could be courageous enough to share that love with one another? And if we could live in the generosity that God has so lavishly poured out on us so that we could be generous towards others? That could transform a community. Father, we want to thank you for who you are. We want to declare your goodness and your favour. We want to ask, Father, that you'd increase our hearts for your generous kingdom. That we would live out of the generosity for which you have first loved us. Some of this is really hard. And it's not very easy to deal with. But Father, we want to, you're the only one who can deal with it. You're the only one who can move mountains. The mountains that are in me, in us. That you would reveal those to us and we'd, we'd surrender our will, our purposes towards your will and your purposes, Father. And that we'd see in that just an outpouring of your generosity and the capacity to be generous towards others. Knowing that when we're taken for granted, that we would be awakened to your promises, that we'd be able to pick ourselves up, dust ourselves off, knowing that your love cleanses us, makes us whole, restores us, and leads us into new opportunities. Father, thank you for who you are first. Forgive us when so many times our responses become determined by how other people treat us rather than the love that you first have for us. Continue to minister and speak into us, awaken us your promises. So that as we go about our days, as we go about our weeks, you will be transforming us. You'll be transforming me. And in that, we could partner with you in transforming our community. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.